Um, I'm going to ask Jeff Clough to please come up uh, and read Psalm 27. And if you could, would you stand for the reading of the word? And the reason why we're doing this is because we want to just get in a posture that the, the most important thing you'll hear today is not what I'm going to say about God's word, but about God's words itself. Okay, and, and Paul tells Timothy that we should not give up on the public reading of Scripture. And so we're going to dedicate ourselves this year to more public reading of Scripture. Okay, And so Jeff's going to read our psalm for us today. I love it. Thank you, Chell. All right, Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Word of the Lord. There's a couple of liturgical folks in the room. You got it. Good job. So, uh, which one am I on, Brian? Am I on this guy or this guy? The handheld? Handheld? Okay, we're going this way. Sweet. Uh, you guys can sit. Sorry. I'll leave you hanging there. Um, all right. Uh, well, uh, we're going to be diving into a series on Psalm uh, 27 uh, over the next couple weeks. Uh, this was actually no planning at all. It was Mark that pointed out to me, you know, Brian's favorite number in his, his hockey jersey number was 27. Uh, some of you got that tattooed. That was not on my mind at all when I picked this. So, uh, so I don't know. Maybe, you know, I don't know how those things work, but maybe he's watching us. So uh, as we dig into this, you might tell just by the way, I'm a little, I'm a little fired up. So I spent uh, about four days with a group of uh, 
uh, of leaders from around the country um, in, in, uh, in Compton, California. Yeah, that Compton. Um, you know the song like where there's like rap songs about and stuff. Uh, so that Compton uh, with a group of like church leaders and church planters. And we were learning uh, from a person who's a church planter in India. Uh, and this guy is leading a movement, a church planting movement in Southeast Asia where they saw 300 churches planted in 2019. 1,300 churches planted in 2020, and 5,300 churches planted in 2021. That is insane. Uh, And I want to tell you, I'm just so excited about what God can do with small things. I mean, these are everyday normal people who come to know Jesus, who share their faith with someone and say, I want to tell all my friends about this. And then poof, there's a church in a house. Kind of sounds like the book of Acts. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, I'm just like so excited, just so moved, saw God do some great things and I, my heart's really full. But the one thing that we, we came away uh, from our time together was just the singular focus of these folks who see these movements happen on Jesus being the main thing in their life. And so we're going to press into that a little bit in this, in this series. And it got me thinking while, while I was in, um, while I was uh, on vacation visiting my family, we had a chance to go hunting with my, uh, with my dad. It was his 70th birthday. Uh, I'm not sorry for those of you who are offended by this. I'm sorry. I just, this is a thing that our family does. So, uh, so we go pheasant hunting. And, uh, and so we, we go and, and, um, one of the things you do when you're pheasant hunting like this is you have a dog who uh, points the birds. They're like different kinds of dogs, but in pheasant hunting, if you don't know this, like uh, the way that you typically do it is you train a dog, and this dog has been bred genes for thousands or millions or however many years, I don't know, uh, that is like this dog is like honed in naturally, where if you actually put a pheasant or a quail on the ground before you teach the dog how to do anything, it will stop and like in its tracks, and its tail will get really straight, and it will point out that there's a bird right there. And I lift up a leg. It's like the coolest thing in the world. Like you don't have to teach it to do it. What you have to do is actually train it and hone it in so that it's like doing it in conjunction with the hunter so that you can find the birds together. But it naturally does it. And when these dogs are, are hunting like this, they are hyper-focused on finding a bird. Like that they don't care about anything else that's going, a helicopter, bombs can be flying overhead. They just don't care. And they will go through anything. They're like, go through water. They go through burrs. Like one of the dogs has kind of, has like a, is like more of a furry dog. And it came out of a bush just covered in burrs and like sticker bushes. Don't care. Like it's just, it's thing is finding the bird. It is like hyper-focused on this one thing and it shuts out the entire world around it. And not only that, if you've ever seen a hunting log like this, you don't have to make them hunt. They love to do it. It is their like most favorite thing to do. Actually, it's amazing. It's like you see something click in the dog where the dog actually comes alive while it's hunting. Like it's doing something it was made to do. And us seeking after the heart of God, like it talks in Psalm 27, is the one thing that you were made to do in this life. It's the thing that like, we should be hyper-focused on, that, we should, that should be getting all of our attention, that should, our whole entire life should revolve around, and that actually should set us alive, and we come alive. Just like those dogs. You're like, wait, you're comparing us to a dog? That seems like a bad start, Shale. It's okay. We'll get there. The verse four here in the Psalm, one thing that I ask of the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. 
That is the heartbeat of this whole entire psalm. And we're going to lean into that today, and we're going to lean into the other verses around this over the course of the next couple of weeks. What does it look like for us to do the one thing we're called to do, which is to seek him? What does it look like for us to be relentlessly focused, hyper-focused on seeking the face of God, to know his heart, to seek after his heart? I think, let me just, I'm going to talk at a macro level for just a second, for, for us as a church family. I think that this is what God is calling our church family to do, especially the first half of this year, is to not get distracted and, focus, uh, and focused on anything else other than seeking after the heart of the Father. And I think that, I I believe, and I said this if you had a chance to watch the little thing that we did last week on Facebook Live, I think that there's a harvest coming for our church family. I think there's some really great evangelistic outpouring and some other things that God wants us to do, but I don't think he wants us to focus on that right now. I think he wants us to sit at his feet and focus on him. That's what I think. And so I think that that's something that God wants to do on a macro level for us as a church, but I think he wants us to do that at a micro level in our personal lives. And, and he wants our full, sustained attention and affection. So what's the one thing we're called to do? Our one thing that we're called to do is to seek him, to seek living with God face to face, to seek after the presence of God in our lives every single day. And this kind of seeking after God isn't just about like acquiring more knowledge. It's not just about um, kind of chasing like encounters with God where we're just kind of chasing the next kind of high or like feel good thing. It's actually about pursuing an ongoing relationship with God every day that changes our life. As a matter of fact, the way the psalmist later on in the psalm, he refers to this as seeking the face of God, seeking the face of God. That's a very specific kind of language. It's like, um, it's very targeted in what we're going after and seeking after God. We're seeking to be face to face with God. And that language of seeking the face of God has to do kind of with, a, uh, it's embedded with royal imagery. So in, 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 in these times, of biblical times, to seek an audience with a king where he would be looking at you and you would be able to see his face was a really big deal. Because if you got to be in the audience of the king and you got to see his face and he got to see your face, it meant that he was going to listen to you, that he was going to pay attention to what you had to say. And so this is not, uh, and, and not just a kind of seeking after God to just get the feels of the presence of God. This is like God is calling us to live face to face with him, to have his full attention as we give him our full attention. Does it ever blow your mind to think that the God of the universe would give you his attention? It should. It should. There are seven, how many billions of people on the planet? Our God has the ability to give you his sustained gaze. We believe that about our God. That's craziness, guys. Like, that is something that we take in faith, but it's 100% true. And what he's, he's already looking at you. His face is already turned towards you. It's about, are you looking at him? And so that's why the psalmist says, I want to seek your face. My heart, our heart is designed to seek after the face of God. My heart says it. My, your heart, whether you know it or not, is saying, seek his face. The person next to you, whether you know it or not, they might not actually choose to do it, but there is a longing in there that only God can fill. Only finding his face can fill. So what we're asking for is to have a posture in what we're going after where we lock eyes with God, where we're before his face. 
And so he describes this kind of seeking God, kind of going before the face of God, seeking after God in three ways. He talks about dwelling in the house of the Lord, gazing on the beauty of the Lord, and then seeking him in his temple. There's these three different ways of talking about it. It's all three different ways of describing one thing. These are three different ways of seeking after God. And we're just going to, just really quick, this is going to be the most basic message you will ever hear from me. Are you ready? This is like so, so simple. You're going to be like, really? That's what you have over like four weeks of being away? Yeah, that's it. So first, let's talk about dwelling in the house of the Lord. Dwelling in the house of the Lord. This refers to either like the tabernacle or the temple in the Old Testament, the house of the Lord. It's the place where the Hebrew people uh, knew that God's presence was uniquely present. So uh, the house of the Lord was the place where God's presence was uniquely present. It was like kind of like the concentrated focus of God's present, uh, presence on earth. The, the Old Testament, uh, they, they realized that God wasn't contained in a house, that he didn't just dwell here, but there was a unique way in which God positioned himself among his people in the temple. It's the place where God's presence was concentrated. And so what the psalmist here is crying out, maybe it's David, maybe it's somebody in the tradition of David, is crying out saying, God, I want to be right there in the temple all the time living in your presence. That's my heart. That's my desire. To, but, but he's using this language of place, not because he wants to go to a specific place. They, it's a symbol of God's presence. It's a symbol of being in the presence of God, of being before his face all the time. So he's not saying, I just want to go and sit and live in the tabernacle or live in the temple. There were people who did that. It was their job. They were the Levites. They were the people who ministered before the Lord. He's saying, I want a lifestyle of being postured before the Lord like that. That's what he's going after. I want to live in a conscious, ongoing awareness of your presence. I think that would be a way to, if we were to sit down and talk with the person who wrote this, I think that's what he'd say, a conscious, ongoing awareness of your presence. I want to be with you. Really simply, I just want to be with you. To seek him in his temple at its most basic level, to talk about this, to dwell in the house of the Lord, is simply to be with God. And you're like, that's like, again, not very complicated, chill. Yeah, it's not. What's complicated is that we don't live in the awareness that God is with us all the time. That's the part that gets complicated. The reality is God is always with us, right? It's part of our confession that that God is everywhere all the time, but he uniquely indwells. He lives inside of you. If you have confessed Jesus as Lord, the God of the universe lives inside of you. Yeah, yeah. Do you realize that? The way that the Bible describes people, there are people who have the Holy Spirit and God indwells and people in that, and for people whom that's not the case. If you follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, the same God who did all the crazy stuff in the Bible lives inside of you right now. It's true. The problem is we don't live like it's true. We live like there's something we have to do to get more of God to come and do something. And he's like, what more do you want me to do? I gave my son, I gave for you to be, be set free from your sin. You are completely forgiven. You are as holy as Jesus. And then I poured my spirit into you so the living God can live in you as a temple rather than a place as a temple. But we just don't live in that conscious awareness of that, do we? So we think that we have to perform for him. 
that we have to convince him to want to be with us. The problem, I think, is that our senses are too attuned to the things of the world rather than the God that's living inside of us right here and right now. We're too uh, attuned to our, our, um, the things that we perceive as lack in our life, our mistakes, our failures. We're too attuned to the sense of performance. Like We're too attuned to the language we use about having to convince God to do something. And, and, and so we're, we're attuned to uh, certain expectations. We're attuned to the busyness of the world. And so we just truthfully don't know how to just be with God. We just don't know how to do it. Have you ever tried to just sit still and like just be with God? It's really hard. If you don't regularly do that, you're like, what does that even mean? Yeah, because we don't know how to do it. Like, all we know how to do is come, open my Bible, do the devotion, come and do the worship thing, and then come and do the serve thing. And, like, all of that's awesome. But, like, remember the verse about, like, be still and know that I am God? Like, just being with God, just knowing that he is with you right where you are, it's actually really hard because all we know is doing not. Does that make sense? But God wants us to, to be and live in this conscious awareness of his presence. Actually, every hero of faith that I like revere and look up to as I study their, uh, study their, their, their kind of their relationship and walk with God, they all at some point in time come to this place where they, where they recognize that being still before the Lord, that somehow walking in conscious awareness of his presence with you every day is actually the key to everything else. Somehow just learning how to just walk in awareness that God is with you, that he's around you, that he's in you, that he's, he desires to speak to you, that we don't have to convince him to do those things, that he already wants to. Now, the reality is, we're going to talk about this more a little bit later, is that the psalm talks specifically about seeking God in this way, which means to say that for thousands of years, this hasn't been easy. So if you're sitting here going, this isn't hard for me, join the, I mean, this isn't easy for me, then join the club. It's not easy. It actually takes a disciplined, diligent pursuit. Sorry, guys. This is truth. Dallas Willard, the famous thinker, said, grace is not opposed to effort. So guess what? You contributed nothing to your salvation. He did all of that for you. But now it's up to you to work alongside him with the work he's doing in your heart and to work and to actually live into the salvation that's been won for you, to work on stillness and quiet, to, learn, to work on turning off the noise from time to time, to work on how to, how to recognize his voice. It takes time. It takes some energy. It takes some, it takes some effort. So how do you get started in something like this? Well, honestly, it, uh, I think the goal is that we're walking throughout our day in awareness that God is with us, Awareness that, conscious awareness of, uh, of God's presence. However, I've, I have found in my own personal life, just real practically, that I have to make sure I dedicate time to actually practicing this. That looks like at least a few minutes in the morning of nothing. Of nothing. Of no worship music. No laying out my request before God. No scrolling through Facebook, no learning about the next variant, no whatever it is, you know, like of, of really just being still before, before God. And it helps me just to acknowledge what's true. Say, God, I know right now 
that you love me and you are with me. Help me believe it and help me see it. It's that simple. It's, honestly, and that over time, with, with repetition, you learn how to just kind of get more in tune with how God is responding to that simple request and simple prayer. Guys, I'm a, in my life, I feel like I, have, like I have been taught how to overcomplicate things so much. Um, I have found that the simple things are the things that actually have the most power. In the last couple of weeks, I've had opportunity to pray for a couple people that were like really physically healed in some pretty dramatic ways. They were not fancy prayers. I felt zero in terms of like, I've got the power and I'm going to do it. Like, it was like, this person has a headache, Jesus, help them feel better. And then he does. Because it doesn't depend on my effort, right? It doesn't depend on how loud I scream and how much I do. God's just asking me to posture myself before him humbly. And he'll breathe on whatever it is that we have to offer. The scripture says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Doing it one time and it not working is not diligently seeking him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, like that, that's not seeking God. If you, feel like it's, uh, if you feel like you're trying this, you're like, hey, this is not working for me, I would love to come and talk to you about that. And there are people in the church that we could point you to that would say, here's how I do this. Let's get real, real practical. As a matter of fact, um, we're going to send out tomorrow a couple podcasts from a pastor that I really, really like. His name's John Tyson. He's got a couple messages on how to practice some of the stuff I'm talking about in this message that are going to be really, really roots practical stuff. So, so I just want to encourage you, like, don't leave here feeling defeated because I don't know how to do it. I would just say, just try it. One thing I know for sure is that if you will diligently seek him, he will meet you, even if you don't know how to do it. He's awesome like that. Right now, there are Muslims around the world who are, Jesus is appearing in their dreams, saying, I am calling you to follow me. And they're going, where do I start? And they risk their very life trying to find a group of Christians. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? He guides them to a group of Christians. If you will give him your heart, he will meet you. I promise you. I promise you. I have found that the more I learn how to be with God like this, the more that my level of like other things that I want to happen in my life just seem like they happen a little bit more easily. So I'm a terrible guy. I'm a terrible intercessory prayer. Terrible. Like I just, I'm just not very good at it. Like some of you, like Jen is really gifted. Crystal, there's many of you here who are really gifted. Like, and they're the people you want praying for you when something goes bad. Not me. Like, when you've got something, like, I mean, I'll contend for you. I'll call down heaven. But, like, my attention span for that is about two seconds. But here's what I found is that when I learn how to be with God, it's amazing how much the intercessory kind of stuff just flows out of that. I can't tell you how many times I sit in my office and go, okay, waiting for the word, God. What am I supposed to say this Sunday? You guys are like, that's really what you do? That's how you really do sermon prep? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. And so you know what I feel like God tells me to do? Leave your office and go for a walk and be with me. And I can't tell you how many times I've done that and come back, and it's not been like this Holy Ghost hoedown in the woods. It's just been literally me walking in the woods. And I come back, and there's something about just me walking with the Father. I come back, and it's like, boom, there it is. You guys are like, um, would you guys, uh, would you spend a little bit more time in your sermons though, Chael? That would be great if you could just not. Uh, anyway, 
I'm just telling you that like this, I think everything flows from this. Everything flows from this, learning how to just be still with God, learning how to be with him. We'll flesh this out more in weeks to come. We'll talk more about it. So the next thing, the next part of this, what it means to seek God is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Whenever you read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, when people have an encounter with God, when they, when they see God in some way, he's so beautiful and so glorious that they literally can't look and fall down. Yeah. I'm just asking the Lord about something. You know, we, we don't do a whole lot of stuff around here where we pray and we try to make people fall down. That's not a thing that we do here. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes the weight of glory is so much you can't stand. Um, and so, uh, and, and that is very scriptural. When people encounter God, they fall down. <laughs> Because there's something about his beauty, something about who he is that's completely overcoming to us when we see who he is. Do you know when people see angels in the Bible, they're not like, ooh, it's an angel. They're usually like very afraid. There's a reason why angels say, don't be afraid when you see an angel. The same is true when you, when you see God. That people get, you know, people, it's because they're overcome with his beauty and who he is. There's something about who God is that when we see him for who he is, it's beautiful and we're drawn to it, even though it's a holiness. Like, like the, the prophet Isaiah, when he sees God on his throne, he's like, ah, he's, I'm undone, I have unclean lips, but he's drawn to it. There's a beauty about who God is that we are drawn to, that we want to look at, but that we can't quite handle. We often think about this beauty like it's something physical, like there's a physical beauty. But have you ever really been moved by someone's character or action? Like you see them do something or you know who they are and go, man, that is beautiful. God's character is beautiful. His gaze upon his beauty doesn't just mean that we have this like great epiphany in a cloud. It actually means that we, we, we are focused, hyper-focused on who his, his character is holy, on who he is, and seeing the character of God, and seeing how he is magnificent. Like, there is no way for me to not think about the cross, or to think about the cross, and not be absolutely moved by that. That's the beauty. There's no more beautiful picture of who God is than Jesus on the cross for you. So gazing upon the beauty of the Lord doesn't just mean we have this like kind of ecstatic encounter. It means that we are genuinely moved at our heart because we have seen who God is. We've seen his character. We know what he's like. We know what he's, we've, he's done. It causes us to go, whoa, and, ex- and like express our appreciation and get gratitude. And guys, worship, that's what worship is. Worship is an expre- expression of appreciation for who God is and what he's done. That's what worship is. It's just an expression of appreciation. God, I know this is who you are, and I know this is what you've done, and that is what this is talking about. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord is simply to worship God, to seek God by worshiping God. That's what the psalmist is talking about. I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. It's simply saying, I want to worship you, God, for who you are. And I'll tell you, there's no better way to seek God than to worship God. God loves worship. You might not like worship, but God loves it. He loves it. Who doesn't love to hear how much they're loved and how much they're appreciated? And how much, all of us, it can be a little uncomfortable sometimes. You know, some of us like shrug that off, like, you know, you don't know what to do with that. But God knows what to do with it. 
right? And he's worthy of it. He's worthy of our worship. So to seek him and to gaze upon his beauty is to simply have a a, a posture in our heart where we're seeking to worship him every single day. That where we say, God, I want to see you and behold you. I want to tell you how I feel and tell you what I see in you. We think about worship as something we do primarily here when we gather in this place. And that's true. What we do when we gather together is something unique in corporate worship. But in reality, worship should be something that's going on every day of our life. It's not just when we sing songs. It's any time we turn our affection and our attention toward God and give him our attention. That's worship. Sometimes music helps. For a lot of people, music helps. You know, for, I'm, I'm a musical person. And so when I like think about worship, my heart and my mind usually go to music. For many people, that is not the case. That's Okay. That being said, God's people are meant to worship together with one voice. It's not necessarily a preference thing like, I'm opting out of the music thing. That's not, that's not something that we should be doing. But if that's not the way that you worship, don't think that you aren't a worshiper. You are. There are lots of different ways to worship God as long as you're turning your affection and your attention to him and showing appreciation for who he is and what he's done, you are a worshiper. And he wants to be sought through worship. He wants that to happen in your daily life. It helps, I think, again, seeing a pattern here, first thing in the morning, to offer God some worship. I can't tell you guys, there's a direct correlation to times in my life where I don't pick up my phone the first thing in the morning. And the times where I just say, you know what, God, I'm just here. I mean, you know, foggy eyes and can't quite make my coffee yet. Just immediately starting my day, God, thank you so much for this day. This is the day that you've made, Lord. I'll be glad and rejoice in it. Thank you, God, for the house that I slept in last night. Thank you, Lord, for the bed that I slept in. You are so good and you're so kind. You don't need music for any of that. God, I'm here today to live for you in any way that you want me to live. I want to worship you and endure you with my whole heart today. I mean, that, that, like, if you were to look at my prayer and my worship life, you would not be impressed. It's just not that impressive. It just sounds like that. And my guess is for many of you who have a posture of seeking God through worship, that's what it's like. Yeah, there are, when I get to my office, I put my worship music on, I light my candle, and I do all that kind of stuff because I'm a weirdo and I like that stuff too. But it doesn't have to be that. But when I don't do that, it's automatically, man, I find myself having a hard time seeking God throughout the day when I'm not doing that kind of stuff. Jen and I were just talking on the way here about the difference between, I think it's important to to think about this, the difference between offering someone a gift and offering someone a thank you card. So when you offer someone a gift, you just simply want them to know that you love them and that you appreciate them. It's a way of showering affection on someone. You're just giving them a gift. No strings attached. That's one side of worship. That's praise. Where I'm just thanking God. God, you are good and I love you for who you are. That's, that's worship. That's one side of worship. The other is like when you're writing a thank you card, when you're appreciating God. So when someone does something nice for you and you write them a card, a thank you card back, that is a, that's saying, hey, thank you so much for the way you care about me. And sometimes our worship looks like thank you cards. God, thank you for that. Thank you for what you've done. But we got to make sure, I think, that our worship doesn't look like one or the other all the time. 
Like if we're only thanking God for the things he's done and not praising him for who he is, if we're only writing the thank you card and not just offering the gift, then it means that my praise and my worship is going to be contingent on the last thing that God did for me. Does that make sense? And here's what I know is that the kind, of, the kind of people who learn how to praise God regardless of what the last thing has done and thank him for his character, it's a whole lot easier to say, thank you, God, worship you when things are not going well. Does that make sense? We'll move on with that. We'll talk about that more later. So that's the, that's the second one, worshiping God. It's like gazing on his beauty. The third one is this. It's a little bit shorter here. You're like, thank you, Chael, for that. <clears throat> Seeking him in his temple. Seeking him in his temple. It seems a little bit redundant that we're talking about seeking God and now it talks again about seeking God in his temple. But it's a nuance here because we've got three, these three different ways about, about seeking God. This is all about posturing ourselves to learn from God what he wants us to know. Posturing ourselves to learn from God what he wants, wants us to know. So people would go in, in, in David's day or in the time to the tabernacle or later on to the temple and they would go to seek God's counsel to make an offering before the Lord and to inquire upon the Lord about what he would want them to do about something or to put a, make a request before the Lord. Or there also would be rabbis or uh, people teaching in the, in the temple. There would be people expounding on the Torah and explaining what it meant. So it was a place where you would go and you would receive instruction. You would go for godly wisdom or, or counsel. So when he's t- talking about going to the temple to seek God in this way, he's talking about learning how to learn from God about seeking God as learning from God. Essentially, this is saying, God, I want to know your heart. I want to know who you are. I want to know your will, and not just, um, not just his will for the answers to questions that you have. Uh, oftentimes, those, that's our posture in prayer. It's like, God, I want to know what to do about this, and what to do about this, and what to do about this. It's kind of a, the grocery list prayer, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, God loves and delights in those prayers. That's fine, too. But there's something else about coming to God and say, God, what would you like to teach me today? What would you like to show me about who you are? That's a very different kind of question. Sometimes I have very well, very clearly felt in my prayer life in these kind of times of seeking God where God's like, it's nice of you to ask me what I want today, Chael. Because <laughs> I've spent all my prayer time asking him for things I want. So what does it look like instead to go and inquire of the Lord, to seek him and say, God, what is it that you have today? What do you want to teach me? What do you want me to know about who you are? Like, and again, this isn't like a one-time kind of thing. This is talking about a posture, an ongoing posture of our heart of seeking God and wanting to know his heart. I want to know you better. Like the Apostle Paul prays, like, I want to know you. I want to know you. Like what the Apostle Paul prays for his church in Ephesus. God, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they will know you better. Like, guys, there is, uh, there is a misnomer, I think, in the Christian life that um, our, our thoughts about how we grow are, are off. I'm just going to put it plainly. God wants you to grow in maturity and knowledge of who he is. And what it means to seek the Lord is to posture yourself to do that every day. And that doesn't happen by just attending more small groups or doing more Bible studies. That's a part of it. It's actually a heart of a learner who says, God, I want to know you. I really, really want to know you. As followers of Jesus, we're called to be his disciples, lifelong learners, people who say, Jesus, teach me, 
Teach me how to do this. Help me see how, you're, how, you're, how you would navigate this situation. It's about consciously choosing every day to say, Jesus, teach me your ways. Uh, can I poke a bear a little bit? Is that okay? I'm going to. I think, I think too many of us are too focused on what someone else says that God is saying and not focused enough on what God is saying to you. It's really good to, to listen to podcasts. It's really good to like listen to sermons, especially if they're from Fusion Church. That's fine, you know. All those things are great. But what is God saying to you and your prayer time about your life, about who he is to you? Guys, there's, I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm just saying I think we're getting a little too dependent on those things. Like, do you know that Christians lived for 2,000 years without podcasts? Is that, did you know that? 2,000 years without devotionals written by Jim Bob or Jane? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, actually, do you, do you know that God spoke to Christians for 1,500 years before they had a Bible in their house that they could read? That's our God, guys. Do you want to know how that happens? Because the Holy Spirit literally dwells in you. <laughs> and so you get to hear the voice of God. Now, the crazy, amazing thing is God has blessed us with how many of us? We have, I have a Bible on my phone this is insanity. Have you ever seen an old Bible? It's like this tall. It's like this wide. Like I have it on my phone. As a matter of fact, I have an entire theological library on my phone. I can access thousands of books here anytime. But none of that is what God is saying to me today, right? Through his word. And it's not about knowledge acquisition. It's not about just learning more facts about who God is. Actually, God calls, Jesus specifically calls people who only learn facts about God and don't do anything with it. He calls them fools. Remember his parable about the person who builds their house on the sand and the person who builds the house on the rock? He says, the person who builds their house on a firm foundation is the person who hears my words and then does what? Puts them into practice. Puts them into practice. So it's not just about hearing and absorbing more information. It's about doing. I don't want to be a fool. <laughs> like, I, I, I want to hear what Jesus is saying to me, and then I want to go and do it. Do you know the, the churches I was just talking about, this crazy church plants in India and South Asia, do you know what they teach people to do? They teach them to hear God's voice and act on it as soon as possible. It's amazing what God will do. <laughs> If we would hear his voice and we would act on it as soon as possible. I find all kinds of reasons to delay obedience. Maybe next week, God. Maybe when things are getting a little bit easier, right? But the heart of the father is like, hey, if I'm asking you to do something, I want you to know it's good for you. It's good for you. Oh, man, just getting started. I'm going all, I'm, I'm using my whole time because the kids are watching a movie. I know how long it is. So I, I, don't, I don't want to disrupt the kids' ministry tonight, so that's why I'm just keeping going. Jesus actually calls us to, like, posture ourselves to come to him to hear his heart for wisdom for life. This is not about you doing religious performance. This is about the God of heaven who loves you and has a desire for you to really know him and to really walk with him and to really walk in freedom. That's what this is about. And there's just no other way that we can do that than unless we attach ourselves to him and abide in him. There's just no other way. 
Jesus tells his disciples in John 15, you love me if you do what I tell you to do. We like to think about abiding as like resting and peaceful. There's a part of that. But to abide in Jesus is to actually listen to what he has to say and do it. That's how we actually grow in our dependency. Have you ever tried to like, I know for for many people, this was like, oh man, that's really hard. I don't feel like I hear God's voice. I don't feel like God speaks to me. Again, I would love to help you learn how. There are many people in this room who I know would like to help you with that. Like, so you don't have to be alone. God, by the way, you're not meant to do any of this stuff on your own. God has put you into a family with brothers and sisters in Christ. You're meant to do this in community. There's some really gifted people in this church. I don't know how to do what they do. I'm like, would you teach me how to do what you do? You're awesome at that. Like, and so, so we can learn from each other how to do it. But if you've ever tried to acquire a new skill, usually it doesn't go very well at first. You know what I'm talking about? Like you try something like, but if you really want it, you try it and you try it again and you go after it again. And I have found that most things that God really wants to do in my life require me going back again and again and again. Guys, I'm sorry. There just isn't an easy way around this. There just isn't. Now, here's the deal. My guess is that most of you identify with one of these ways of seeking God, probably more than the other. Like some of you are like, yeah, I'm a be with God person. That sounds like my thing. That's my jam. Maybe could we do a little show of hands if you're a be with God person? Yeah, I like you guys. You're good. How about if you're like a worship God person? That's the way I seek God. That's the way I seek God. How many of you are like, I like the instruction. I want to learn. I want to hear God's voice. Give me the, yeah, awesome. So we're all over the place. My guess is that probably most of us identify with one of these things more so than the other. And that's okay. It's great to go with what you know. You know, to lean into your strength, that's fine. But I think that there's something for us if we'll lean into these other things a little bit more and be stretched to not just do the thing that always comes easy and the most comfortable. Does that make sense? Because I think that there are some aspects of who God is and his character that he's wanting us to go after wholeheartedly that's going to require us to, to do things a little bit different. So embedding worship more into your day. Embedding more time to listen to the word of God. Listen, li- listening for his instruction. To not just read the passage for the day and then kind of put the Bible away, but, but actually give yourself enough time to say, I'm going to read, I'm going to read, and I'm going to read. I'm not going to stop until I feel like there's been something that's gripped my heart for the day. That's, that's, I, I, that's the way I read my Bible. I wish I could tell you I had a fancy reading plan. I don't. I read my Bible until I feel like God speaks. And then once he speaks, I move on. And I try to move on with obedience. I try. Do my best to do that. So I think that there's something for us in each one of these areas I just think there's more depth for each of us. Bottom line, I think, for all of us is, what is your plan right now for seeking after God? What's your plan right now? What's your practice right now? What is it that you're doing? Because what, whatever else you think might be the number one priority needs to take us back seat to seeking the heart of God 
It's what you were designed and destined for. This isn't like a church program, get on the church thing. This is the God of heaven is pursuing your heart and he wants you to pursue his heart back. That's what this is. So what's your plan for how to do that? Like, it's not going to happen accidentally. You can try that. It just doesn't work very well. You can, and, and if you feel like, man, I'm not gaining traction, this has been really hard or whatever, then let's mix it up. Let's try something new. Let's do something different. Like, like this is a relational thing. And if you've been in a relationship for any length of time, you know that relationships kind of morph and change because you're a changing person. The things that worked for me when I was 12 don't work for me as a 40-whatever-I-am man now. I'm not trying to hide my age. I literally don't know how old I am. <laughs> they just don't work, you know? Uh, like, and, and so I have to go. There are some things that are familiar to me. So for me, outdoors is always going to be something that awakens my heart. Always. I've been a part of musician. I've been a musician since I was a little kid. There's something about music that always is a way to my heart for me to seek God. But the way that I go about that is different. Even in the 10 years that I've been the pastor here, I feel like the way I pursue God and seek the heart of God is different now than it was 10 years ago. During the pandemic, I'll, I'll be honest, was one of the most difficult phases of my life because I felt like the things that used to get me to a place where I could hear God's voice, it was like crickets. It's like, what in the world? And now I'm in a place again where I feel like I'm in a new place of discovery. But it's not about the daily thing. It's not about walking every day, walking away from every day, feeling like I got this, I'm filled up. It's about the discipline, just like every relationship. We're coming before God every day. And slowly but surely, you look back over time and you go, man, I didn't realize how far I've come. I didn't realize what my history was that I've built with God. I didn't realize the level of faith that was being cultivated over time. I didn't realize my understanding and knowledge of the scripture and the knowledge of God's heart that has, been, that has happened over time. I didn't realize how easy worship comes to me now. I didn't, I didn't realize like, that I'm able to actually sit and be still in really difficult circumstances. I didn't realize that because over time, you've cultivated the habit of doing that. We're too much quick fix generation. We want it right here. We want it right now. God's slow. He just is. He's just not in a hurry. I think God really wants us to seek his face this year. So I want to ask you, what is your plan to do that? What is your plan to seek God's face? God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those. Again, this is not about works righteousness. This is not about earning salvation. That line about God as a rewarder of those who diligently seek him is in a New Testament. It's the book of Hebrews. This is post-cross, post-resurrection. Jesus will reward you with more of himself if you diligently seek him this year. It is his desire for our church to bear more fruit, and we will bear more fruit if we diligently seek him together. We will. We will. So here's what I'd like for you to do. John, why don't you come up and just give everybody just a chance to reflect. Before I do, let me just say this. I, I realize that, um, that this isn't like a fluffy, like feely good kind of message, okay? I make zero apologies for it. We're going to go all in on, on us being who God's called us to be. 
I want the spirit of God to dwell in this house in ways that are incredibly powerful. I think that's what God wants. And it won't happen if we're half butting it. (laughs) You see what I mean? It's just not going to happen. There are too many hurting and broken people (laughs) around us that need us operating at the level that God gave his life for you to operate. Too many of your neighbors who need to know the love of God. Too many of your coworkers who need to know the love of God. We, we just can't, we just can't kind of dance around it. Like we just can't. So I'm just trusting that if we put our whole self in, that God is going to pour more of himself out on us that we're going to walk more in conscious awareness of what he's already doing in our midst, that we're going to come on the doors of this place with expectation that the healer is here and people are going to walk in the doors and be healed when they walk in without anybody praying for them. In Jesus' name, that's, what, that's the heart. And I pray that that will happen in your homes, that when you invite someone over to your dinner table, they will feel the peace and the presence of God because you have cultivated an atmosphere of the presence of God in your home that they will find themselves seeking instruction from you. How are you so wise? You say, because I've been spent in the presence of God. I know his heart. I know his heart for you. So let me share with you what God has been teaching me about your finances. Let me share with you what God's been teaching me about how, how marriage works. Guys, it's not just about people coming here. It's about what we do out there. And I think that's all what God wants to do. But I think it starts with us saying, I want to seek his face. I want to seek his face. And I'd rather us die on that hill than any other hill. I just don't think that that's going to happen. But if we're going to die on one, that's the one. So before I give you some, like, some, some things, I want, there's going to be two specific things I'm going to ask you to do. I want to give you a chance to just lean in and hear what God has to say to you right now. So just posture yourself right now to hear from the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you speak to my friends right now? What is your wanting to say? I pray there won't be one ounce of shame one ounce of condemnation, but instead conviction from the Holy Spirit about what it is that you want to say and do. Speak now, Lord.
All right. I'm a, just a couple things really quick. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take some bold steps of faith here. Um, um, do you remember the story of John the Baptist, where when he doesn't agree with what God has said about the birth of his son, when when John the Baptist's father doesn't agree with him, he can't talk anymore. And the moment he begins to talk is when he tells everybody what the name is. There's a picture in there, I think, for us speaking what God is speaking. And there's power that happens when we speak the words of God. So uh, I'm going to take a bold step and just say, I think that within the next year, there are one, if not two people in the room who have really struggled with reading the Bible and prayer. By the end of this year, you will be ready and willing to lead a Bible study. And you will experience a revival in your relationship with God. And, and it will feel like, what in the world happened? And we're going to go, what in the world happened? You are going to be absolutely set on fire. You got to seek him, though. There's at least one other person in this room who has never led another person to Jesus. This will be a year where you will lead people to Jesus, and it will start a cascading effect. You will discover that you are an evangelist. I think that those are things I know that are on God's heart, so it's easy to say, but I think it's very specific. And I'll, I'll let you know, I'm going to write down on a piece of paper who I think those people will be. And then next year, we'll, we're going to get it out and say, all right, God, what'd you do? So, but I'm not going to tell you, so don't ask. But I think there's probably more than that. We're about to go through a phase of discovering some gifts, some spiritual gifts that we have in this family that have been dormant, that will be, that will be released and there will be healing on the streets. Some of you are going to grow in boldness and praying for physical healing, and you'll see, you'll see that happen more and more as a way to introduce people to the gospel. All right, two things I want you to do. First, I want you to read Psalm 27 every day this week, every single day. Read Psalm 27. We're going to be in this for, for the next probably few weeks. Next year, we'll take a slight departure. We have a, uh, a guest speaker coming next week who's going to rock your socks. Um, um, but I want you to read Psalm 27 every day next week, and I want you just to allow God to speak to you through it, whatever it is he wants to say. And secondly, I want you to make a specific plan at some point in time this week of how you're going to seek after the heart of God for the next four weeks. So all I'm asking you to do is commit to four weeks of something consistent, four weeks. I'm going to seek after God in this way. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to write it down on this piece of paper that, you, that we forced you to take when you came in here. We do not want to be a congregation of fools who hear the word of God and don't do anything about it. So let's write down what it is that we feel like God is saying to us. And then we come back next week. Come and plan. And if you're not ready tonight to write it down, that's fine. Just make sure, because what we're going to do before a guest speaker starts next week, you're going to have a little conversation with people in the room about reading Psalm 27 and about your plan to seek after the heart of God. So I'm going to break you up into pairs, and you're just going to share really briefly, this was my plan, this is what I'm going to do. All you introverts, I'm sorry ahead of time. It's going to be okay. The Holy Spirit will heal your hurts. Extroverts, it will be okay. I'm only going to give you two minutes to do this. 
so you have to make it succinct. I literally want on the piece of paper, I will seek God by and less than a sentence. Got it? All right. This is going to be fun year, guys. Hope you're ready for this. Lord, I pray that, that you will speak to us so clearly what it is is on your heart. God, I pray that we won't be shaped by the world, but that we will shape the world because the one who has overcome the world has lived in us. I pray, God, that we will speak to culture, the culture of the kingdom, as we live out your countercultural values and the way of Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would release us in the power of your spirit to be your people everywhere we go. And I pray that there will be encounters with the living God in every home this week. God, I pray that as we posture ourselves before you, that we will meet you in ways. God, and I pray that you will fill us with joy, fill us with freedom, God. I pray for laughter. I pray that when we come in this place next week, there will be a lightheartedness to seeking after your presence. It will not feel heavy. It will feel like we joyfully met with the God of heaven. I pray that we will come in with laughter, that we will come in joyfully singing your praises, God, and that we'll be ready to glorify and magnify you. Sustain us this week. Keep everyone healthy. Keep everyone safe, Lord. We'll come back and we'll worship you again next week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys, we'll have some food. We'll see you next week. You're awesome.